This is your first time here. We welcome you, and I'm glad that hopefully I get a chance to meet you. Glad that you chose to uh, join us in worship this morning. Also, there was a, a card, should have been a card in your seat. Um, and that's just an opportunity for us to get to know you uh, better. So whatever information you feel comfortable uh, 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 filling out on the card, feel free to do so. Last week we had, uh, we had uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but we had, we had a prankster. It took me a little while to, uh, to, to figure out who filled out the cart. Um, somebody by the name of Curtis Mayfield uh, filled out the cart who lived on Sesame Street. And, uh, and they wrote at the bottom of their card, do not come to my home. And, uh, and it did not register with me when I saw the card. And I showed it to Jamie, and he was like, this is fake. And it didn't take us too long to figure out who it is. But we will not show up at your house if you fill out one of those uh, cards. Also, on the back of the card, there's an opportunity. If there's anything you want us to be praying with you about, uh, please fill out one of those cards uh, for that as well. All right, so I'm excited this morning. Last, last week, we, um, we uh, talked about four marks of a healthy church. It was one of the most important messages that I believe I will ever preach at Tri-Cities Church and probably preach it again, but no time in the near future. So if you missed it, right, if you were at home watching the Falcons lose, <laughs> that, that slipped. If you were at home um, sleeping in, uh, uh, please catch up on that message. All of our messages are online. If you go to our website, try-cityschurch.com. Uh, if you go to the, re- uh, no, I think it's a link that actually says messages. If you click that, you can then open uh, the message player and you can find all of our messages there. So if you missed that message, it is a, an important one for us as a church as we near the end of the year and get ready to end into, uh, enter into a new year. I believe it's a message that just, just kind of sets us up for the new year and for all that God has planned for us and the things that God has in preparation for Tri-Cities Church. And so catch up on that message. Also, if you are on iTunes and do uh, iPhone, iPad, any of that kind of stuff. Um, you can uh, you can subscribe to our uh, podcast there, uh, where you can get all of our messages there on uh, iTunes as well. So uh, catch up on on those. It, it, the last week was an important one, but all of them are, are there. All right. So this morning we're beginning a new series simply called Life Songs, and Life Songs is all about singing songs to the rhythm of life. Singing songs to the rhythm of life. Let's let's pray, and then we'll get into this message. God, we give you thanks this morning that you, um, yeah, that you, you come here and you meet us in this place. And God, we know this is just the building. It's just brick and mortar. It's, it's just uh, construction materials that are placed together and that there's not anything special about this place. Um, but God, you say um, that you've chosen to live in our lives, in our, in our bodies, God, that you've made our bodies the temple of God. And so, God, we thank you that when we gather here, we are met here by you and we get to encourage one another and strengthen one another and know one another. And God, we just pray that um, that, that will happen more and more. Um, and God, as we study the scriptures this morning, I pray that you will help us to get understanding and not just get understanding, but find points of application in our lives that we might um, that we might live it out boldly. And that more people might come to know you fully. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we're beginning this new series. It's simply called Life Songs, right? It's all about singing songs to the rhythm of life. Now, the reality is everybody's life has a, has a rhythm to it, right? Everybody's life, life happens in, 
life happens in rhythm, right? And the rhythm of your life isn't just the routine that you go through every day. It's not just about waking up in the morning, making breakfast, going to work, coming home, and doing those everyday routines that, that happen every day that are part of all of our lives, those kind of necessities, things you have to do. Bathe, right? Eat, those kind of things, right? That's not just the rhythm of life. but The rhythm of life happens with the um, kind of seasons that we go through in life, and you find yourself maybe embracing or taking on different activities that are fitting for that season, right? So my wife and I, we've moved, uh, we've lived in five different places since we've been married. And one of the things that we realize in each different place, life takes on a different rhythm, right? In each different place that we live, there's different restaurants that we go to. There's different things that we do on a regular basis. We shop in a different place. Our commute is longer. So the activities that we engage in are different and life takes on a different rhythm, right? The church that we've been a part of in those different houses and different places that we've lived has been different. The community that we surrounded ourselves was different, right? And so it had a little bit of a different rhythm in each different place. And there's times that we look back and we say, you remember when we used to, why don't we do that anymore? Because life's rhythm has changed because the place where we live has changed or something in our life has, has changed and that rhythm begins to change with it. All of life has a rhythm. And if you slow down enough and listen to it, you'll hear your life's rhythm. Sometimes there's a new job that brings a new rhythm to your life, right? You get a promotion or, or maybe you get a job that's far from home and you have this totally different rhythm where before you were working right around the corner and now you're coming home and it's dark and, and life is just changing or, or a pregnancy or a new child that changes the rhythm of, of life or, or an illness sometimes can change the rhythm, the course, the habits, the things that shape our life. All of life has rhythm to it. And that rhythm changes in the seasons. And the Psalms, the whole book in the Bible called the Psalms is about singing songs out of that rhythm that our life has. It's about listening to those patterns, listening to our life experiences and singing songs that connect with that. Now, in the book of Psalms, there's this whole book in the Bible that's just filled with songs. It's actually like the song book of the early church. It's right in the middle of the Bible. So really, if you open your Bible almost directly to the middle, you have this book known as Psalms. And it has these songs that are much different than the songs that we sing today. But it has these songs that connect it with the lived experiences of God's people. And so you have these people in biblical times. And as they would go through different things, right, they would write it in song. And that uh, many of those songs are recorded in the book of Psalms, not just the Psalms of David, but there's other Psalms there as well. And so there's all these different songs that kind of emerge out of or are given birth by the experiences of everyday people. They're writing these songs that talk about the things that they go through and not just the good things, but the bad things as well. We see frustration, right? We see anger. We see irritation. We see confusion. We see chaos. We see all of these things in the book of Psalms. In fact, the Psalms gives birth um, to or, or gives um, life to this idea that humans have have these uh, very real emotions that are a part of our life. In fact, the whole gamut of human emotion is included in the book of Psalms. Right. And you have these Psalms. Some of them are Psalms of praise. If you read it, some of them start off with praise the Lord. And they're talking about all this praise and how good God has been. And God's been there for me. And then there's songs of lament where somebody's mourning or grieving over the loss of something. 
And then there's these psalms that I like to call, Oh God, help me psalms. Like Psalm 69, where it says, Oh God, save me. The water is up to my neck, right? It feels like I'm drowning. And there's times that we feel like that in life. And it says, Oh God, help me. And so there's all throughout the book of Psalms, there's these different songs that are written by people who are going through everyday experiences, right? They're everyday people just like you and I. And they go through things and they have trouble. And what they do there, which we see that they're doing that I think is one of the most powerful thing, is they're not just offering up to God their good days, but they're offering up to God every day. Right? They're not just offering to God and saying, God, these are the good times and I'm going to sing about them. But these are the times that are awful. The times that I wish did not exist. The horrible days of my life. Right? It feels like darkness has descended upon me. Read Psalm 88 if, if, if you have any doubt. Right? It, darkness has descended on me. And I think Psalm 88 ends. I think that's the right one. It's 88, 89. It ends with something like, darkness is my closest friend. Right. <laughs> if you're not having a good day, don't read Psalm 88. Don't just, just don't start there. But um, but it ends something like this. He says, darkness is my friend because that's where he was in life. You see, the really reality is our life has rhythm to it. And that rhythm doesn't always make sense. That rhythm doesn't always feel good. But what we see in the book of Psalms is there's these life songs that are emerging out of the rhythm of life and they don't hide the things that they are feeling. They don't hold back. Now, one of the things that we learn in the Bible is that God loves songs like musical expression has a special place in God's heart. We see from the beginning of, of the Bible, almost all the way to the end, that people are singing songs of God. And even in Zephaniah, there's a scripture that said God rejoices over you with singing. God loves musical expression. And in the Bible from Moses, when they crossed the Red Sea, do you remember that story in Exodus? I think it's chapter 15, when he all of a sudden God appointed him. And imagine this. God appoints Moses as the leader of like two million people, right? From one day, he's, he, he's, um, God raises him up and point, appoints him as the leader of two million people that he had to lead through the wilderness, right? And they get up to this Red Sea and the Red Sea's before them. And the Bible says Pharaoh and his army was behind them and they they found themselves in a place of trouble. And Moses is going, oh, Lord, what am I doing here, right? What is going on? What have I gotten myself in the midst of? And God parts the Red Sea and they pass through on dry land. And Moses sings a song. I believe that's the first song in the Bible. And all throughout the scriptures, people of God are singing songs of praise to God. Praise even in difficult times, saying, God, I don't know what's going on in my life. And I don't know why you've brought me here. And I don't know how this situation has descended upon me. And I want to be out of it. But yet in the midst of this, I will trust you. Right? And so we have song upon song upon song of people who are finding themselves in different life situations. Who are listening to the rhythm of their life. And they're singing life songs. In a couple of weeks, we'll be singing the song that Mary sang when she found out she was pregnant with Jesus. When she says, my soul, my soul glorifies the Lord. It magnifies the Lord for he has done great things. God loves it when we sing 
songs. Now, some of us may not be singing people, and I'll admit, I am not a singing person. I allowed a few words of a song to slip out of my mouth last week, and I have regretted it ever since because I just don't sing. It's just the way it goes. I only sing when we're in a group of people like this, and can't nobody around me sing, and it's the reason I sit on the front row, right? Nobody can hear my voice from there, right? There's some people back there who have heard my voice, and they're probably... So, uh, so, but, but I am, I am not a singing person. It's one of the things that for me, and I'm just being transparent, it makes me uncomfortable to sing in, in public. It just, that's just the way I am. But one of the things that I have learned through my own life experience is that when we sing songs of praise to God, right? When we fight that place of discomfort and we sing songs of praise to God, that there's something special that happens in music. There's something special that happens between us and God and we connect with God in some unique unique kind of way, and God meets us in the place of song. I believe that it's, tr- it's a reason why God's people have been singing for thousands of years, right? There's a reason why God's people have sung songs for thousands of years. There's a reason why the church has always been shaped by a community that sang songs of praise to God, because there's something that we just can't explain and we just can't understand, but music connects us with God in a unique and powerful way. Way. There's a poet, um, 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 Berthold, uh, I'm slaughtering this guy's name. Berthold Auerbach, I think is how you pronounce his name. He says, music washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life, right? That music washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life, and it helps us to connect with God. And God meets us there in music. God meets us there in a song. And so if you're like me and you're uncomfortable singing and you come to church and, um, you, and you're just not going to open your mouth because that's something that brings discomfort to you, fight that challenge, right? Fight, fight that. Push through that. Try to sing a song. Try to join in singing um, because there's something powerful about singing where God meets us there. And in fact, we see in the scriptures that there are people that sing until their situation changes. There's this story in the book of Acts, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this story. And, and I wasn't really totally familiar with all that was going on in this story. I think it's Acts chapter 16. And uh, there's this story in Acts where uh, Paul and Silas are there. Um, and, and there's this lady. It's, it's an interesting story, uh, a little bit of the backstory. And it's this lady that's there that has this spirit um, that's not from God. And this spirit is allowing her to be able to see the future. Right. And she's able uh, as a result of it, she becomes a fortune teller. Right. She's able to tell people what's going to happen uh, in the days to come. Right. And so she has this special gift. And these guys are kind of. Um, 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 for lack of a better, for lack of a better word, they're kind of pimping her out for her gift, right? Um, and so they're using her gift for profit. And so she's using this gift of being able to tell the future because of the spirit that's in her. And, uh, and Paul and Silas get there and this lady starts following them around for no reason, right? And she's yelling and she's shouting behind them and she's not saying anything negative to them, but she's just really annoying everywhere they go. She's right behind them. And Paul's annoyed with this lady because the spirit that's in her is causing her to act foolishly and follow him around. So he casts this spirit out of her, right? It's an interesting story. He cast this spirit out of her, and then the guys that were selling her gift, right, are upset as a result of it. 
And then look at what it says. I'm, I'm going to pick up and, and, um, and they, they excite everybody in the city and people are just mad at them. In verse, verse 22 in Acts chapter 16, it says, The crowd joined an attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, um, or after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in inner cells, right? They weren't even on like the outside cells. These guys weren't going to escape. They had done nothing but cast the evil spirit out of this lady. Um, they put, her in, put them in the inner cells and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose, right? They sang songs in prison while they were chained up in the stocks to their situation changed. I think the scriptures are teaching us from beginning to end that there's something powerful, some unique way that we connect with God when we sing songs of praise to God. That there's something powerful that happens and that, that our situations can change, that we connect with God in a unique way, that our actual outlook and perspective even begins to change when we fight the temptation to sit silent and we choose to sing songs of, to God. When we allow our life song to emerge out of the rhythm of our life. What's your life's rhythm? What are you going through right now? What is stopping you from singing? What we see in the scriptures is that very thing that stops us from singing. That very person that stops us from singing. <laughs> that very job that stops us from singing becomes our song of praise to God. It becomes our life song. And the life song isn't hiding or holding back, but it's saying, God, this is terrible. This is awful. Why am I in this situation? But I will yet trust you. I will still put my hope in you. You see, the scriptures are challenging us to get in touch with our life song that comes out of the rhythm of our lives. Now, there's a couple of things that the Bible teaches us about our life song and the nature of it. And I think the first thing that it teaches us is that our life song must be grounded in the belief that God is in control. Right? That our life song must be grounded in this simple belief, but hard to hold belief in all situations. This belief that God is in control. What we see in the book of Psalms is that these Psalms begin with, God, I have many enemies, right? And you read the book of Psalms, you're like, who has this many enemies, right? Who, what are you doing? Like, what's going on in your life that there are these, this many? This is, I was reading just this morning, uh, in some of the Psalms, they have these um, kind of um, uh, addresses almost at the beginning that describe the situation that the psalmist finds himself in. And, and this guy is like held up in a cave. Right? David is held up in a cave and his enemies are out there. And then there's another one where he's in a desert and his enemies are out there. And no matter where he seems to be, there seems to be these enemies that are tracking him, right? These people that are following him. Um, but, but notice the way they always go, right? For God, I have many enemies um, and, and there's lots of trouble surrounding me. And this situation is too heavy and too hard for me to bear. But I will trust you, right? For you have been faithful. 
And not just from, to me, but for people from generations past. I believe that the stories of the people of generations past are powerful and they speak a powerful word for our generation today. They encourage us until we begin having those stories of our own that tell of God's goodness and his faithfulness. And so we listen to the stories of the generations that have passed, right, through the scriptures, through grandma, granddad, all that kind of stuff. We listen to those stories of the generation past who have walked with the Lord We seek encouragement there and we allow them there to be a story, a song that rises out of our own life that says, God, I've trusted you and you've proven yourself to be faithful. So, yeah, listen to the stories, listen to the rhythm of other people's lives and the songs that they sang and then write your own songs because our life songs are grounded in this belief that God is a God who's in control. The scriptures call this sovereignty. It simply means that God is in control of all things. No matter what's going on around us, God is not out of control. He hasn't lost control. That God isn't sitting there thinking, uh, what can I do? What should I do next? How can I get control of this thing again? God is always in control of a situation. That doesn't mean that God makes everything happen. It just means this isn't out of God's control. And so we find the psalmist over and over again turning to God and saying, God, I believe that you're in control. One of the most powerful Psalms, uh, Psalm 23, is one of those ones that's read. um, But it expresses the psalmist's trust in God. Listen to what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There it goes again, these enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen to that sense of confidence that he has as he writes that song, right? That sense of confidence that he has that comes from this idea that God is in control, even in a dark valley. Right. Even in a difficult place, even in a place of hardship and confusion and fear, God is in control. You know, I think there's a powerful thing when we can get to a place in our life and I'm still working to get there. uh, But where we can get to a place in our life where darkness descends on our life and we can celebrate and praise God in the midst of it. That's a difficult thing to do. It's a challenging place to be in. But we see that in the Psalms that even in the midst of darkness, right? I will trust God and write a song. I will sing a song of praise for who he is and my trust of him. And God honors those kinds of songs. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and their staff, they comfort me. You see, life songs are grounded in this belief that God is in control, that God is in control. I read this quote this week by um, um, this uh, um, guy by the name of Voltaire, I think is his name. He was kind of an antagonist of the church. Um, He was um, uh, uh, did not believe in God and spoke very negatively of the church. And he said something that very powerful and stuck out to me. And he says, if we're made in God's image, you know, the scriptures talk about us being made in God's image. In Genesis chapter one, 
God creates man and woman and in his image. He says, if we're made in God's image, then we have returned to him the favor. Saying that if we're made in God's image, what we've done as humans is we've turned around and we've made God in our image. Now, the Bible's teaching us one central thing, and that's who God is. And unless we come into trust who the Bible teaches us that God is, that God is sovereign, that God is in control, then we're constantly going to be making God into this weak and feeble God who's overrun by the problems of this world. And so this idea that the trust in God and this idea that God is sovereign and this idea that God is in control must first be grounded in the stories of God's people who lived that out and experienced it. If not, we shrink in the face of difficulty, we shrink in the face of hardship, and we make God into who we think God is in this situation, and we allow our situations to overrun and overwhelm, overpower the strength of God. And the scriptures are teaching us, no, God is all-powerful. Trust that. Believe that. Live that out and give God the opportunity to prove himself faithful. Give God the opportunity to prove himself faithful. The second thing that the book of Psalms is teaching us about life songs is that our life songs should express our truest feelings. That they should express our truest feelings. Now, most of us go through life like this, right? We, we, um, and this is, it's just kind of the way we do things, right? And people ask how we're doing. We say, fine. Or, I, you know, what's, what's going on? I'm good, right? I'm good is some people's favorite phrase. I'm good, right? How are you today? I'm good. And, and we're always good. That's just kind of the way we go through life. And a lot of times it ends up being this, almost a mask that we are wearing without even being aware of it, right? Um, because it's an immediate response that we have. And we're taught even by our society, by the way that phrase is used. I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, we, we're taught by our society to kind of bottle up our feelings within us, right? That those don't have a public arena. There's no real place for them in our society. In the Psalms, we see that these people are expressing their truest feelings and they're expressing their truest feelings to to God. Not because they're making him aware of it, because they know that God already knows. But they know that God cares and that God is sovereign and he's in control and he's the one who can do something about it. And so in the Psalms, we see from a place of brokenness, David writing to God. In fact, there's Psalm 51, which is one of my favorite Psalms, where, where David has given in to uh, sexual temptation, and he feels broken, right? He feels embarrassed. He feels shame. He's done what he would have said of himself. Never I. I would have never done that. I would have never walked down that road. I would have never given in to that. I thought I was too strong. And he finds himself in a broken place, a shameful place, a place where he really has no words, but he writes a song. Look at Psalm 51. This is a powerful, powerful song. And I find myself turning to it over and over again. Listen to what he says. He says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. And you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. 
You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let, the, let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. And listen to what he says. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's a powerful psalm because what he's doing there is he's expressing his truest feelings to God in one of the darkest places that he had been at in all of his life, right? One of the most difficult situations that even he brought upon himself, right? And he's realizing this and he's coming before God repentant and saying, God, forgive me. And accept me, but don't accept me so that I might continue in the way that I've been walking, but create in me a pure heart, because you're the only one that can do that. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. You see, the Psalms are teaching us that our life songs express our truest feelings to God. We don't hold back anything from God. We give God not just our good times, our successes and our wins, but we give God our failures our hardships, our pains, our embarrassments, our shame, our guilt. We give that over to God. And we say, God, create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not take me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And restore in me the joy of your salvation. And don't let me think I can do this alone. So grant in me a willing spirit. You see, the psalms are powerful, and for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these psalms. We're going to be seeing the way that the psalmists opened their life up to God and trusted in God's sovereignty and invited God to know the real feelings, emotions, desires of their heart and trusted God with their life through these life songs. And so I have two challenges for you. Um, uh, first challenge is this. It's simple, right? It, it's simply sing a song, right? And, and maybe, um, uh, so we, we got a, a, a new car recently that uh, uh, has tinted windows. Uh, and I don't know some of you guys, you ever roll up somebody at a red light and they're just going to town, like singing this, they're in the car all by themselves. And they're just having themselves a good old time. I find myself more likely now that I have these darker windows, right? They're not totally dark, and I realize somebody can see me one day. Um, but, but I find myself in my own world singing, singing songs in the car, right? Um, so sing. It's a challenge. Sing a song, right? If there's a song that you hear on Sunday morning and it resonates with you, right? And you say that song is powerful. It speaks to where I am in life. Look it up, right? The names of the songs are on the screen in our newsletter every week. Um, there's a, there's um, uh, links to the songs on YouTube where you can find every song that we sing on Sunday mornings. If there's a song that we sing on Sunday morning that you're like, I need to hear that. I needed to hear that. Listen to it during the week. Right? Sing that song. Trust God to do something powerful through the singing of a song. Because what we see in the scriptures from Exodus on to Revelation, that God's people are singing songs of praise to God. That they're expressing themselves to God through song. And when they do, God meets them in unique ways and they sing to their situation changes. God finds joy when we sing songs of praise to him. So sing a song. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is write your own life song. Write your own 
life song. Now, this doesn't mean you don't have to have any kind of musical ability. You don't have to put uh, actual notes and music to it. I'm simply saying, put words to the rhythm of your life. Right, put words to the rhythm of your life. Listen to what's happening in your life right now. Listen to the situation that you're going through, the season that you find yourself in at this very moment, and put words to that. But remember to first allow those words to be grounded in this belief that God is in control. Don't uh, don't put words to it. And I, I read this one. Um, um, this has been years ago. This one theologian that said, um, um, "God, and this is the way it ends, right? God is like a filament in a light bulb, right? Easily extinguished, easily put out, right? And that's the way it ends. Don't write your song like that. Say, I feel as though I'm alone, maybe. Um, I feel as though God can be extinguished, but I'm going to trust in the Lord in the midst of this situation. Put words to your own life's rhythm. Right, write your own song, but first trust in the sovereignty of God. That he's in control and allow that to shape the direction of your song. Second, don't allow yourself to hold back as you would with a friend, maybe, or a colleague or a coworker, where you may not say exactly what you're feeling, but express to God through your song your truest feelings. Give it over to God. Trust him. Write your life song. Sing it. Read it. Trust God to your situation changes. This morning, we share in communion as we do every Sunday morning. And communion is really a reminder for us that God is here in our midst, right? Um, That God hasn't abandoned us, that God hasn't forsaken us, that God isn't um, gone somewhere else and, and you know that, that God is real and he's here and that he's died for our sins. You know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus died um, on the cross for our sins. And that's really what communion symbolizes. It symbolizes the Jews symbolizes the blood of Christ, that he that he that he actually lived as a human being and bled as humans do. And the cracker symbolizes his body and the fact that he actually had flesh as humans do. And that he's the only one that's been to death and back for us. Not just that he's been to death and back for us, but he has never forsaken us, never abandoned us. And so as we sing, we sing our life song to a God who is here. We sing our life song to a God who listens. We sing our life song to a God who hears. We sing a life song to a God who takes joy in our songs. We sing a life song to a God who's even moved by the songs that flow from the rhythm of our life. That we just as Paul and Silas find freedom when we sing. We find hope when we sing. We find joy when we sing. We come alive when we sing. And so let our life songs be to God. And so as you take communion, maybe think about and listen to the rhythm of your life. And sometime this week, write your life song. Let's pray.